0: We are continuing our performance review series here on Locked on Dolphins. Our focus today on the big uglies up front, the offensive line, a look at this unit's performance throughout the course of the 2023 season and what it means for this offseason.
1: You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, tip of the cap to our everydayers because it is your team every day. We don't just say it; we live it here on the Locked On Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match of up to $100. We've done performance reviews on the front office. General Manager Chris Greer, Head Coach Mike McDaniel. Now it's time to get into the weeds a little bit. And some of the big picture issues that were discussed when reviewing the performance of the last 12 months of Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel... You'll get even further into the weeds on those issues in these individual positional performance reviews, which is why I wanted to start with the offensive line. Because a lot of the philosophical and ideological questions we have about the Dolphins' offense and why it tailed off towards the end of the year, it could be pointed to a couple different variables. It could be pointed to injuries, it could be pointed to the quarterback, it could be pointed to the offensive line. But the offensive line, I think, is the most complex of the conversations. That's why I wanted to start with this one. So we're going to start by overviewing this group as a whole. And uh, it was led by Butch Berry, the new offensive line coach. The team decided to move on from Matt Applebaum last offseason, bringing in Butch Berry, has a little bit more familiarity with the scheme, allowed Frank Smith to be more hands-on with the entirety of the offense, and Butch Berry got rave reviews. And I think the narrative around this Dolphins offensive line as the season unfolded you go back to May, June, July, and Mina Kimes and Chris Kaufman called it the thermal exhaust port on the Dolphins' death star of an offense, right? And the um, the one person in particular was Teron Armstead, where the splits of Teron Armstead's availability last year versus this year, uh, or, or at least last year when he was on the field versus off the field, was very startling and alarming for the Dolphins and kind of the concerns being Teron Armstead is an older player and we'll get to Teron when we get to offensive tackles. And I know that's a player that that's a very popular kind of sandbag on Teron Armstead because of the, the snaps he's played and the snaps he's missed relative to the contract that he signed. But we literally did a whole research project in the summer and you could look at it and a uh, free agent offensive lineman that signed a, high dollar, I think it was more than three and a half percent of the cap over the last 10 years, you have an equal chance of being out of the league in two years as you do of making a pro bowl. It, teams don't let good offensive linemen walk without a reason, right? So, uh Tehran uh, was back in the summertime considered to be the X factor for the unit. Well, lo and behold, you start the season without Teron Armstead. You play the first three games without Tehran or the first two games without Teron Armstead. Um... You played a lot of games this year with a lot of without a lot of the guys out front. You had 12 different offensive line starting combinations in 18 games, 12, an outrageous amount of uh, interruption with this unit. And uh, I know uh, I think it was Chris Kaufman of Three Yards Per Carry with Five Reasons Sports put together the splits of like the offensive efficiency numbers. It points per drive and yards per game and yards per play and yards per rush and so on and so forth. Uh The passing splits based on how many starters that you had, but just, just boil it down to here's the number of games with each number of starters that were penciled in as starters at the beginning of the season. The Dolphins played one game this season with all five starters that they were supposed to be starters at the beginning of the year. That was the Denver game. We know how that went. I'm not going to say the number of points that was scored, all that. <laughs> One of the worst things that happened to this team was scoring that many points in September. Uh, Four, with four of the five starting offensive linemen penciled in. You played five games, and I'll put an asterisk on five games because you played less than half of a full game against Buffalo the first time you played Buffalo with four of the five players available to you. You also played, you know, there there was a stretch of of games in there where you had four early in the season. And you also had the Washington game where you had Connor Williams, Rob Hunt, Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson available to you. And that was short lived as well, because the next game after that was Tennessee and you lost Connor Williams. So you played one game with all five stars. You played, Five games, four and a half games with four of the five starters. You played six games with three of your five original starters on the offensive line. You played five games with two of your five original starters on the offensive line. And then there's an asterisk on that one as well, because Austin Jackson left before halftime of the second Jets game. So that puts you down to one starter on that offensive line. And then you played one game this season with just one player from your original five offensive line available to you as well. So quite the bell curve, if you're a math person. The vast majority of games that the Dolphins played was either two or three of their original five available to them. And why that's the case, it depends on the player. Robert Hunt and and Connor Williams both played 100% of the snaps for this team last year. You kind of knew there was issues with Teron and We'll talk about their individual circumstances when we do the deep dive in the individual players. Credit to Austin Jackson, the, the one guy who missed all the snaps last year played almost a 1,000 snaps for you offensively, was your most available offensive line. So just you can have this, but then you can't have that. And there's um, some predictability to some of that, and there's some unpredictability to some of that as well. Uh, the the way that this team circumvented this and avoided it being the thermal exhaust port, at least until the the end of the season, uh, the time to throw, the style of, of plays uh, certainly is something that that helped boost the offensive line. Some of this is maybe working around the limitations of what offensive line you have available. Maybe some of it is protecting your quarterback. And some of it's just the ideology of the offense. It's a play-action-heavy offense. You want to get horizontal flow and create ultimate stress and strain for second-level defenders, so then you can hit play-action passes that target over the middle of the field. That's how the offense is designed to work. Now, adding more layers to that is something we've talked quite a bit about already this offseason. So, yes, you acknowledge the Dolphins ran as little true drop-back passing, which is no rollouts, no RPOs, no play-action pass, as any team in recent memory more than any team in recent memory. Their play-action incidence was actually down from last year to this year, however. So you saw more screens, you saw more rollouts, uh, other ways to uh, move the launch point or simultaneously sell one thing to the defense as far as the picture. And I think that's where when when the group hit its, its cap at the end of the year, uh, teams knew what they had to respect and what they didn't have to respect. So you have to add more ways to beat them and attack them. If you still want to cling to your core principles and we want to be a wide zone flow outside run uh, based offense with play action passing off of that to target the middle of the field, that's great. But when teams don't respect your ability to come directly at them, and that gets into personnel, or your ability to just straight drop back and drop back passing pick you apart, that is then where you experience, in my mind, in addition to a ton of other variables, how the season ended, why the way the season did. Uh, so you you do acknowledge. Uh, I certainly think player availability was one of the contributing factors for why uh, Miami ran such a high combination of RPOs, rollouts, splash and passes, and screen passes. I also think the 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 focus and, and intent of maximizing the quarterback was a part of that conversation as well. We'll talk more about the quarterback. This is not a quarterback show. Everybody's chomping at the bit to talk about Tua. Today's about the offensive line. Please. (laughs) We're going to talk about the offensive tackles next. We had three of them that took meaningful snaps for this Dolphins team this year. Teron Armstead, Austin Jackson, and Kendall Lamb. They will be our next focus here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, so stick with us. Passion, drive, and patience. These are what brings home the winning trophy, but they're also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that dub. Keep your ride-or-die live at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions do apply, eBay guaranteed fit, available only to U.S. customers. Now, the NFL postseason is well off and running. The Dolphins no longer a part of the picture, but you're still looking for a little thrill on the weekend. Uh, Make sure you get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So $150 in bonus bets win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's a lot of different ways that you can bet, including live same-game parlays. You find bets in the Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup FanDuel official partner of the NFL. So let's talk offensive tackles. We kind of talk big picture overview of the offensive line, but but each of these individual players is an important conversation to have. Uh, First thing I want to do is I want to outline the snaps uh, for each of the three tackles. And then we'll talk about each one independent. Tron Armstead this season uh, had a stint on injured reserve, missed the beginning of the season. He played 524 snaps for your offense this year in the regular season. That ranks 12th on the offense. So. Armstead, 524 snaps, missed more time than last year, uh, ranks outside the top 11 snap takers. There's a conversation to be had there, but we'll we'll get there. Austin Jackson, 989 snaps taken offensively in the regular season on offense. That ranks second on the team, only behind Tua Tagovailoa. Kendall Lamb took 613 snaps. That ranks seventh on the offense. Uh, ahead of Teron Armstead by about, oh, I'm going to do the math live here, 90 snaps, 91 snaps. Just did that off the top of my head. Good for me. No, (laughs) 89 snaps. Uh, Teron Armstead, he's still, for the most part, a very high-caliber offensive tackle. Now, there were incidences where miscommunications, we saw him... uh, explained to someone on social media uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> and that person uh, certainly did not need the clarification because they were, were trolling, but um, Tron tactfully responded and said, when you play on the road, sometimes there's communication or, or he being able to hear the snap count, that that's a challenge. And um, that was from the Baltimore game, a sack taken onto a tongue of love. Um, His pass protection work. Miss execution aside, he still performs at a very high level. Uh, I think he's a better pass protector than he is a run blocker, particularly for this scheme, uh, because I do think the injuries have kind of taken their toll. And, and I have as much respect for Teron Armstead as I have as, for any player on this roster. Uh, I think he's a potential hall of famer for how good he's been for as long as he's been good at it. Um, I know, again, that's a popular player for Dolphins, Fans who don't necessarily like the current direction of the team, they like the bag on that contract signing. It was a five-year, $75 million contract, um, which in the grand scheme of things is a pretty darn good value relative to uh, Jawan Taylor got a four-year, $80 million contract this offseason. And Teron said, even with the injuries, is twice the player, if not more, than Jawan Taylor is but you knew what you were signing up for when you signed. And I do think you're starting to see, particularly in the run game, he still takes good angles. He's very savvy with his hands. Uh, But I do think you see with Teron Armstead, uh, the pass protection is so much better because, and he's talked about this uh, quite a bit, he he loves to attack you in protection, where he could block you without even having to touch you because of how he frames you and how he works with space and how he creates additional space or remove space but doesn't initiate and, and facilitate first contact he's very reactionary and because he's so well tuned in protection, uh, it, it shines frequently in pass pro. Now in the run game, uh, I think some of the ability to be explosive off the ball relative to the other some of the other offensive linemen, it, it does stand out as an area that I, I don't think he's your best in show on the in the group. In that regard, this is a player that's on the books for over $20 million cap hit this year. They restructured his contract next year. If he decides he's going to play, he's going to be here. Uh, If he decides to retire, again, we've kind of talked on this, and he did not dismiss that when he was asked about it. Um, But if he does decide to retire, the timing of that retirement could potentially lead to you saving over $13.5 million in cap space this year after June 1st and then saving about $8 million or $7 million next year against the cap with his retirement. There's dead, There would be dead money for 2024 and 2025 if he files his retirement after June 1st. I could see that being a, a, a pathway that either way would could be something that helps the Dolphins. If he plays, obviously he's available. You're hoping he has a little bit of better fortune because for all the talk about him physically slowing down and the injuries that he does have, at the end of the day, he was rolled up on against houston in the preseason it's a bad luck play he was rolled up on against buffalo at the end of the first half the first time he played him ends up on ir that's another bad luck play he was leg whipped against washington at the end of the first half on a touchdown run in the low red zone is another bad luck. like he got leg rolled up on his legs three times throughout the course of the season now maybe you could say well if you get a little bit more uh, consistent movement in the run game, maybe that one against Washington doesn't happen in the low red zone, and like maybe you'd have a, a, a point, but it's neither here nor there. Um, and I thought he did stabilize his play down the stretch and, and played better as this season unfolded. But that's enough about Teron Armstead. Let's move on to Austin Jackson. Uh, this was your 18th overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. He's earned a contract extension with the team. That's a nice win, as we talked about Uh When we talked about Chris Greer and his performance review, it's a nice win for Chris Greer that that Austin Jackson uh, develops into an available asset with net positive contributions to the team. 989 snaps Uh, promising growth and development throughout the course of this season. He is still better in the run game, in my opinion, than he is in pass protection. Uh, He struggled at times throughout the course of the season against speed to power conversion Uh, guys with an explosive first step that kind of forced him to speed up his cadence and then look to work through his frame uh, or or attack him with power a little bit late at time with the hands, a little bit late at time with the anchor, but it's no longer an issue of getting out into space and framing blocks. I think you've seen significant growth in that regard. And again, because of the ideologies of the offense, you are accentuating the best parts of Austin Jackson. His explosive power and violence uh, in releasing in the run game, I think the continued focus on the run game for Miami will continue to unleash the best versions of him and keep opposing pass rushers off balance. And then there's going to be game scripts where that happens and there's going to be game scripts where it doesn't. And then that's where getting better in the marginal areas of his individual game, just like this entire unit offensively and on the offensive line, getting better on their margins uh, for the weaknesses of their game. And how they choose to do that this offseason is going to be critical. I think the good news for Austin is the big leaps happened. If you got the same version of Austin Jackson next year across another 989 snaps, I don't think you would point to Austin Jackson and say that, that he's a part of the issue with the offense. Is there still room to grow? Absolutely. I'm excited to see what that looks like. And then there's Kendall Lamb. Uh, Kendall Lamb took 613 snaps. That ranks seventh in the offense for snaps taken. And for as much respect as I have for Teron Armstead, uh, because of how good he's been for as long as he has been, there's a part of me that respects the job that Kendall Lamb did even more because Kendall Lamb had the unenviable role of knowing that he's a backup or the swing tackle, preparing like a starter every week, being mentally prepared to go, taking a very significant amount of snaps. From a snap perspective, this is a starter on your group this year. Uh, starting the season, getting thrown on ice, starting in the Kansas City game, coming back after a month and being able to, to be plugged back into the offensive line, play on both sides of the offensive line as a career journeyman who's been in the league for a decade and who only played a handful of snaps for this team last year. Just one of the absolute unsung heroes of this football team for them to have an answer for 524 snaps for Toronto on the offensive line and it not go nuclear. Uh, Kendall Lim, uh, it's it's the biggest no-brainer uh, vet contract, one-year deal, run it back, opportunity for the expiring contracts that's not going to require a huge investment from this team. Uh, Teron Armstead had the, had the weight of mentor in addition to playing and the contract of mentoring the entire unit. Kendall Lamb had the weight of being the man behind that man And always preparing on a weekly basis, like you were the starter and just a consummate professional that I had an absolute ton of respect for that said, uh, I don't think he has the pass blocking tools and, and physical um, ability of Toronto Armstead. I think he lacks the explosiveness of Austin Jackson. So he's kind of this in between, but that makes him a perfect swing tackle and he's smart. He understands protection, I think his vision's pretty good. He's uh, somebody who's meant some wanted to see potentially get some run inside at offensive guard. We'll see if that's something that they add to his menu this upcoming offseason, assuming he's brought back. If they don't run it back with Kendall Lamb, I think it's a a failure of personnel up front. It's not going to cost you a lot. He played for less than $2 million this year. Like, come on. One of the best economic values on your roster. And those are the kind that you need when you have as many big contracts as the Dolphins do and presumably are going to continue to have. We're going to talk about the interior offensive line next and all, what, six, five, (laughs) six big contributors to that unit up next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Our offensive line performance review continues. Stick with us. Prize picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it is you against the numbers, not battling against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and you can watch your winnings roll in. If you successfully get a prize picks projection combo of six player stat projections of more or less, you can win up to 25 times your money with prize picks, which is a super great return on investment if you like economic uses of your time and entertaining ways to stay involved in the game. Prize picks has you covered. They accept Apple pay. So you can constantly stay in the game with deposits from your phone and you can make selections in just a few taps. So go to prizepickscom slash NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. That is is slash on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: So, into your offensive line. Um, Save this one for last. I don't know why because there's more to get into here than any other group. (laughs) Uh, So, we'll we'll work through the snap counts. uh, Just like anything else. Uh, Robert Hunt played 547 snaps for you on offense this year. Uh, That was 10th on the offense. Connor Williams played 497 snaps for you on offense this year. That's 13th on the offense. Um, Isaiah Wynn played 392 snaps for you on offense this year. That's 17th on the offense. Lee Meikenberg plays 815 snaps. That ranks third on the offense behind just Austin Jackson and uh, Tua Tungvaloa. Lester Cotton plays 616 snaps for you on offense this year. That ranks sixth on the offense. And Robert Jones plays 418 snaps for you on offense. That ranks 15th amongst all offensive players. So your three highest interior offensive line snap takers are Lee Mikeberg, Lester Cotton, and Robert Hunt. Only two interior offensive lineman players surpassed 600 snaps. And they were Lee Mikeberg, 815, and Lester Cotton, 616. So I'll say this. If you're looking for the most direct pathways for improvement on the Dolphins roster offensively, at least on the offensive line, those 1,500 snaps, and I'm rounding up. I know that's not how that math adds up. I'm not a math guy. I've told you 20 times. Those 1,500 snaps getting dispersed to Robert Hunt, getting dispersed to Connor Williams if he's back, getting dispersed to whoever is your left guard, all of that is the most direct pathway to performance improvement from the offensive line. Because Robert Hunt, uh, I, we've heard for years, their confidence with him and leaving him at guard is because they think he's a pro bowl caliber player. I think their belief in that was justified. I think if Robert Hunt plays the full season, I think he gets much more accolades and much more recognition for how good he was this year. This is, in my mind, the ideal blend of strength, power, and agility for this scheme to be able to do the things that have been the core principles of your offense, and in addition, add new layers to what you want your offense to look like running the football. This is an asset to build around inside for me. If you only re-sign one of these dudes, this is the no-brainer guy to sign for me, Uh, which is ironic because I do do think Connor Williams was a, a bigger variable in the success of the group when he was on the field. Uh, the value of his pre-snap calls and protections was illustrated in his absence. Uh, there, there was a lot, and we've heard this kind of over the course of the past 12, 16 months. Uh, the Dolphins put a lot on Connor Williams's plate as the center to work through protections in this offense. You know, And when Connor Williams goes down against Tennessee and the remainder of the season – and even the games that you had to play without him midseason, and it's Lee Meichenberg, it's a first time center. And presumably the quarterback is taking more of that responsibility. Is that a contributing factor as well to some of the failures of protections and, and getting things lined up up front? I don't know. Too many layers to, to fully compartmentalize. But it's worth acknowledging Connor Williams, with a year of experience at center, was given all those responsibilities and he played. 13 the 13th most stats on your offense this year. He has elite athleticism and is valuable as a space weapon in second level blocking in the screen game, working backside cutoff when you run outside, getting up to the second and third level, Uh, his anchor in the middle as a pass protector is sufficient. Um, I think he's super intelligent player. Uh, The the challenge here for Miami that they're going to deal with this year is, is there's a desire here for a top center contract. It it is an, an ask that I personally would meet. he played 100% of the snaps in 2022, just like Robert Hunt did. So these two players were your best two most physically talented and most effective into your offensive linemen. They combined for uh, less than, uh, geez, I'm going to do the math, nine. Yeah, they just over 1,000 snaps combined. It sucks. It's super unfortunate. Uh, but they both played 100% of the snaps last year. So it's not like you can point to a continued history of missed time here as a big point of apprehension. Uh, I know the snap issues with Connor Williams are well-documented, but when you look at the full picture and the pre-snap calls and the pre-snap responsibilities and the athleticism in space and how good he's in that regard, um, I think it far outweighs a handful of snaps that are slightly off the mark. Isaiah Wynn uh, was your third penciled-in starter to start the season. He plays the first six games. Uh, goes down on the first possession against Philadelphia in Week 7 on Sunday Night Football. Uh, This is a high floor player in the run game when he played. I think his experience at tackle would be valuable if the Dolphins chose to run him back. That said, it's probably a minimum salary type player. I think he signed for $2.3 million this year. Um, You'd be be foolhardy to go into another season with him expected to be the starter. I think he's averaged 10 games played across his NFL career at this stage, and that includes one season where he played a full season. So on average, he, he missed about half the year, and the Dolphins didn't even get that this year. So you got what you paid for in that regard. Uh, again, free agent offensive lineman available for a reason, despite the ability that he can play at a reasonable level. The injuries there, uh, the quad injury cut his season short. Uh, but he was, he was a quality player when he was in. And uh, that loss for Miami was the most anticipated of the group just because of his recent injury history, unfortunately. Which brings us to Liam Eikenberg. Uh 815 snaps is the third highest on offense. This was a player who had never played center before this season. And he deserves a lot of respect uh, for playing through a calf injury and, and picking this job up on the fly and figuring it out. Um, I know that's, that's not if you're going to have an absolutist mentality about the successes and failures of the season. You don't really care about that, and I understand that. Uh, but this was a player who inside Intel suggests a, a great deal of NFL players would have not played through the calf injury that Lee Michael that worked through, especially early on. And um, his ability to do that prevented you against the Jets from a catastrophic situation entering the New York Jets by having him available to play. I did find a home at center. I think ideally this is probably your, if you told me Lee Michael your backup center next year, I feel totally fine with it. It's a player on a rookie contract. It's not a big salary. Uh, He has positional flexibility to play all five spots on the offensive line for you in a pinch if you needed it. I don't know that the floor is necessarily what would justify where the Dolphins drafted him, but that's water way under the bridge at this point. I thought his mobility uh, later in games after the calf injury kind of caused his mobility to wane, and I thought he struggled at times with power and anchor inside. If you told me he's your sixth offensive lineman next year or your seventh offensive lineman next year or your interior utility guy, I'm totally cool with it. If Kendall Lamb's your swing tackle and that's your primary backup inside, I'm totally cool with it. But if you're going to run it back with him as a starter and pencil him in at left guard or center to replace Connor Williams who don't sign him, I'm not going to get the warm and fuzzies about that decision because I think those 815 snaps is a, a very upgradable opportunity for the offensive line. But as upgradable as those 815 snaps are, the 616 snaps that Lester Cotton took, which is the sixth highest figure of any player on the offensive depth chart this season, uh, is the most upgradable opportunity this team has. Uh, This is, in my opinion, the lowest offensive lineman on the totem pole entering the offseason. The the team clearly disagreed with me this season. Uh, They chose to bring him back after he started the playoff game last year. They like something here. It's a liability with, with assignments at times. Uh, opening play, of the Jets game, d- just forgets to block Quinn Williams. Uh, struggles with penetration and first-step quickness. Offers very little range in space as a second-level player or when you have to horizontally flow with the point of attack. Um, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances for him to be your sixth-highest snap taker on the offense this year, um, particularly when you consider y- the injury to Rob Jones with a sprained MCL that put him on an injured reserve to start the season, uh, particularly exacerbated that as well. Let, he would not be on my 53-man roster next year. I'm not sure how many places he would go and start, and he takes take 616 snaps. Now, the fact that they found ways to circumvent this, win 11 games, be a top offense, you know, you you see the holes are poked in you, eventually you get deep enough into the season with enough body of work, teams, the good teams figure out how to stop you and, and take advantage of that. And I think that the good teams did do that down the stretch. But I think the entire body of work, it's impressive that, With 1,500 snaps going to those two guys on your offensive line, you still figured a way to metrically check in where you did offensively. Because as we went over in the beginning, it's not like you had 12 games with all your starters this year. These guys were playing as early as week four. And then Robert Jones, 418 snaps. I think he's a modest floor player. Uh, I'd certainly be comfortable with him as, as your eighth or ninth offensive lineman on the depth chart. I think he is probably guard exclusive. I know he's played tackling college, but uh, if he's in the starting lineup because you have injuries, there there's concessions you're going to have to make just because uh, I think he's a sufficient mover. I think he's got good football instincts, so I think he's more instinctive than Lester Cotton. I think he moves marginally better than Lester Cotton, uh, but he is a limited player in that regard. Um, and again, the, the MCL sprain that he suffered was unfortunate because I, I think it potentially avoided him playing more in lieu of Lester Cotton earlier when that injury happens, uh, which could have potentially provided some higher floor play earlier in the season uh, when you were forced to press uh, looking specifically at like the Philadelphia game is a good one where, where Cotton has to come in and and deal with the the Philadelphia Eagles into your defensive line. So um, that's my performance review of this, this Miami Dolphins offensive line. If I'm looking at, The players, all nine players who made meaningful contributions, all nine players played at least 392 snaps for you offensively this year, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, Austin Jackson is under contract with a contract extension. Liam Eikenberg is under contract on the last year of his rookie deal this upcoming year. Uh, Lester Cotton is under contract. I would be looking to upgrade that spot. I believe Robert Jones is a restricted free agent. Uh, Isaiah Wynn, I would look to bring back on a vet minimum, but not with the intention of him being a starter. Uh, I would have the most urgency to re-sign Robert Hunt. I think that's a true asset for you. Kendall Lamb, I'd be willing to give a pay grade or pay upgrade to to keep him back here for another year. Um, I want Teron Armstead here, but if Teron Armstead does ultimately make the decision to end up retiring from the game, I think you can offset his losses there, knowing he's going to miss time with the salary cap savings that you'd be able to implement and how you could justify taking that money and potentially giving it to a roster bonus in August for Connor Williams with guaranteed money as just an example as well. So they have some key decisions with this group. Uh, Your, your best players uh, from a talent perspective are probably Armstead, Hunt and and Williams. And Robert Hunt played the most snaps out of that group with 547 this year. So um, unfortunate circumstances, Uh, I I think you couldn't have predicted the two interior guys to miss time. They did miss time. Uh, How those work in negotiations, we'll wait and see. Uh, But I'd I'd be interested in running back a lot of the top talent in this group and taking some of the guys who were uh, playing starter snaps or were uh, entered the season as starters and potentially bringing them back to be depth players if you can find upgrades elsewhere. So uh, that's my assessment of the Miami Dolphins offensive line for 2023. Hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs, and I am out of here. Enjoy your weekend.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast.